Is this the right product market fit? Does the world need this now? Is this the right time for what we are creating and putting out there? And we've always been given a sign. And it could be anything. It could be a new investor. It could be a big partnership. It could be a new customer. It could be a bunch of downloads. It could be us getting on the list. From the Insight Studio, this is Found in the Rockies, a podcast all about the startup ecosystem in the Rocky Mountain region, the founders, funders, and contributors, and the stories of what they're building. I'm Stephanie Sample, and on today's show, how Karin Frame went from being a practicing lawyer to founding Makina, which connects shoppers with brands that are doing good and gives the shoppers cash and rewards for doing so. Well, Makina incentivizes consumers to buy better, no matter where they shop, so they can buy you know, better at a Target store, Thrive Market, Amazon, Piggly Wiggly, H-E-B, and While we're incentivizing consumers to buy better, we're providing healthy and eco-friendly brands, data and insights that they need to grow. And we have a free app that's available on the App Store and Google Play. And the the consumer just downloads it and starts exploring, discovering gluten-free, non-GMO, organic, fair trade, B-certified corporation companies. Most of them are mission-driven. They all have attributes associated with them. And the consumer can just put products in their bag, shop wherever they want, get something sent to their house. They scan that UPC. They take a snap of the receipt. And we match it on the back end. And once those rewards that were cash driven run out, the consumer can start getting points and then they get products and swag and all sorts of fun stuff. So that's what Makina is. That's amazing. What a cool product and so creative. How long has it been in the app store? Well, the version that we have right now has been in the App Store since the end of 2018. So we've been doing a lot of product market fit type of work, making sure that the brands love what we've built, that consumers love what we've built. And we've been working really hard on the technologies. So we are ready to grow, though. And I'm super excited about that. That's awesome. And I there's such a, a pull for having mission-focused brands. So being able to connect to consumers so easily through your app, like what a great idea. I am so curious about your journey. I've gotten to know you a little bit. I really just want to hear who were you? What were you doing? What jobs have you had in the past before you became a founder? Oh my gosh. <laughs> of course you would ask me all this stuff. So, so I grew up in Champaign, Illinois. And it's a university town. My dad was a science professor. And as a kid, I learned how to code when I was four. So which is really unusual because I'm ancient now. But I also, you know, have always had this, I would say, quest for making the world a better place. And, you know, I've always volunteered for things like you know, the ACLU or Amnesty International or just going out and, you know, doing this walk for mankind or race for mankind. And so I've had this curiosity about using technology to make the world a better place. Uh, Second grade, I read a book. It was, and one of the chapters in the book was about what did I want to be when I grew up? So I wrote that 
I wanted to be an attorney because I wanted to save all the starving children in the world. Fast forward a little bit more. I just was, again, in love with technology. I went to business school, got my degree in accounting from Indiana University, went back to law school after taking a year off. And it was my first year of law school that I met my former husband who had been an organic farmer. So another little backstory about me is that, as I said, I grew up in central Illinois and my dad and my mom built a house on a lake that was across the street from an alternating corn and soybean field. And that field was sprayed with pesticides every year. And as a result, everyone in my family is either sick or dead. And I am recovering from cancer myself. So what we put in and on our bodies is really personal to me, super passionate about it. So those are some of the reasons why I created Makina. Do you, do you remember as a child, like understanding that impact or, or fueling that passion for the world? Like, where do you think that came from? Probably my parents. I can't imagine anybody. I mean, you know, I had a great great set of parents. Couldn't have been born to better parents. My dad had this intellectual curiosity and always was trying to make things better for the community around him. He was president of the school board. He was an early director for Montessori school systems. I went to an experimental grade school. So my early childhood was filled with you know, innovation and curiosity and education. And then my mom, she's still, she's still around. My dad is gone. My folks got divorced in fourth grade. And luckily my mom, you know, moved away from the house that was on the lake across the street from the cornfield. But, you know, my mom was a social worker. I mean, she got her degree in social work. So she was all about trying to help families And she, you know, she was very involved in League of Women Voters and various causes. And so I assume that it was from my parents. And and I do have to say, my grandmother on my dad's side was a trailblazer. She built this house in Santa Barbara called Sarah's House. Now it's called Sarah's House. I don't think it was called Sarah's House early on, but it was built to house family members of AIDS patients. And she was also president of Grey Panthers. She started Meals on Wheels in Santa Barbara. And when my grandmother died, you know, I still have the transcript from this, but the both the California House and Senate had a minute of silence in honor of my grandmother because of all the incredible things she did wow. you know, for the state of California. Yeah. Wow. So you were surrounded by kind of trailblazers, people thinking very progressively and innovatively about solutions. What what a cool thing. So, you know, your dream was to become a lawyer. Did you become a lawyer? Did you practice? I did. I did come <laughs> a, become a lawyer. I, I clerked for a judge and then I became a prosecutor and I was the head of a domestic violence unit. It was a very, very, very tough job. You know, I I developed this domestic violence protocol for Champaign County and brought it with me to Boulder, of all places, and they instituted it here. So a lot of times the victims of domestic violence, you know, situations, incidents 
whatever you may want to call that, would would not want to testify against against the defendant. And, you know, we had protocol in place that, you know, really allowed us to protect the victim and prosecute without them. So, yeah, that was my early legal career. I also taught at the University of Illinois. So when I was in law school, I taught for two years. I was the head TA my third year. And I think I had maybe nine law students report to me. I taught business law. So I have, I've had a really incredible career. And then, you know, when, when I moved to Boulder, Colorado with my former husband, who, by the way, ended up clerking for a Supreme Court justice of Colorado, Justice Lore, you know, we, you know, I, this, this whole entrepreneurial founder thing just kind of something sparked in me, which was really incredible. I founded two companies back in 1994, and one of them was in the natural products industry. The other one was in the real estate space. And, you know, think of Zillow back in 1994 and think of Makita back in 1994. They were both interactive touchscreen kiosk companies, and we developed software for these systems. One of them, we went up to Toronto, that was interactive properties, and pitched to Nortel and Nortel agreed to phase one and phase two of our project. And while we were doing that, we had also developed natural interactions and got wild oats actually ended up agreeing to put our touch crane interactive kiosk systems in all their stores nationwide. Now, of course, it's, you know, Whole Foods slash Amazon. So we were really, really early innovators. And I got the, I got the founder bug then. So, that, you know, those are stories in and of themselves, but this is my third tech startup and second time in the natural product space. Whoa, that that's amazing. So I'm trying to picture this, like lawyer working, all of a sudden founder, like what happened? We're like one day you were just leaving work and you're like, that's it. I'm going to go be a founder. Or like, how did this journey come about? Are you talking about this third time or are you talking about the first time? <laughs> uh, I was talking about the first time, but you can go wherever you want. <laughs> well, the first time was really interesting. I mean, as I said, Richard and I moved to Boulder in 1993 and we were vegan at the time. And we would walk into Whole Foods store. Well, it wasn't Whole Foods. It was Wild Oats. Now I'm thinking of Whole Foods, but Wild Oats stores and also in Alfalfa's. And, you know, when we were back in Champaign-Urbana, there was a teeny little store called Strawberry Fields. And it was no bigger than, oh gosh, it was probably, and I'm probably going to say this wrong, but super small. And there was always a customer service person there. And so you would go in, you'd say, Hey, if I want to make bread and we don't want it to be gluten-free, what do I need to buy and what's better for us? And that customer service person would say, here, let me show you. (laughs) And so we would make things like spelt bread or, you know, non-GMO gluten-free bread or whatever it is. And they basically would do the shopping for us. And so when we moved to Boulder and we went into these larger stores like Wild Oats and Alfalfas, there was nobody there to help us. And these stores were a lot bigger than the Strawberry Fields stores. So I had this aha moment where, and, and I was raised on computers. As I said, 
I learned how to code when I was four. My dad was a science professor at the University of Illinois. I actually learned science, mathematics, English, and social studies on this system called Plato. And also when I was in law school, Mark Andreessen, who is, you know, the Mark Andreessen of Andreessen Horowitz, right, was creating Mosaic and, and Netscape. And I just remember like playing around with my computer way back when and thinking it was just so incredibly cool what he was doing. So anyway, so I had this aha moment and I'm like, what if we just put these touchscreen kiosk systems in these natural product stores. And so I had come to Colorado and I was recruited by the U.S. Attorney's Office to be an assistant U.S. attorney. I also was interviewing with the University of Colorado to teach both accounting and business law. And, you know, it just kind of took off. It was not a, you know, this is what I want to do. It was just like, wow, I wonder if we could make this happen. And so that's how it kind of happened. I, it was not a conscious decision. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I always think it's so like one of my favorite stages that I think is so curious to me is the moment of quitting a job. You know, some people come out of college and go right into startup land. And that's one thing. I think it's a whole nother thing. When you go into startup land and have to go put your notice in, do you do you remember quitting your job? Not that time. I, I mean, I think the the bigger conscious decision that I made was this last time. I remember I was teaching, and so by the way, just fast forward, I ended up teaching at the University of Colorado and I taught in the entrepreneurship program here. And I was listening to a colleague talk about exchanging textbooks with a mobile device. And I got chills up and down my arms. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take natural interactions, which I just described to you. I'm going to bring it into the 21st century. Everybody's got a handheld kiosk. I bet you I can make this work. <laughs> and so I went to my now current husband, who, by the way, I've been with for over 18 years. And I said, Sam, I have this great idea. <laughs> what do you think? about me quitting being a general counsel and, and doing that. And, you know, I was teaching, but I was teaching kind of part-time on the side. And I had gotten a lot of, I had become a general counsel or an associate general counsel of a number of software and data related companies. And, and that was a conscious decision that I said to him, you know, listen, I'm not going to be making a ton of money. And, and who knew that I was going to be making no money for the, the next umpteen years, right? <laughs> but, you know, he was like, yeah, hmm, okay, let's, let's take a look at this. I mean, you know, and, and, and so I'm very fortunate because I, I, my husband is supportive in so many ways. I mean, not necessarily financially, because, you know, my salary has been a big, you know, a big contribution to the household because I'm a lawyer and I've worked for large corporations. So, but for, for the, your other partner, your other person to say, you know, I think, I think you, you seem really passionate about this, you know? And I, I think I showed him, I think I ended up drafting a executive summary. And then I, then I actually went full, full steam ahead. And I, created a business plan. Nobody does business plans anymore, but I created a <laughs> business plan, had a ton of research. I had used 
the University of Colorado library system to to dig in to see if anybody else was doing this and and just made a jump. It was hard, but I did it. Yeah. What was going through your mind? Like when you were making that decision, I always know, like for me, some days I'm like, am I crazy? Did I mess up? Am I doing something wrong? Like, how are you feeling? Yeah. So, so I'm fortunate because when we've needed a little bit of extra cash and I'm going to be completely transparent, I've been able to get a side gig. So, you know, I've done some side work for Intel Corporation in their software and services legal group. I've done work for Accenture in their digital um, and was part of their digital legal team. So I'm very fortunate that I have a a great career behind me, great education. But, you know, I'm not one of these people that just works 40 hours a week. I never have. And, you know, whether or not I had a side gig at the time, I would give 100% to Makina. And then I would give, I don't know, I mean, I wouldn't say 100% to my <laughs> my side gigs, but 100% when I was actually working on something. Sure. You know, when I would heads down on a on a divestiture or an acquisition or a data deal or a software deal for somebody. I mean, I would, you know, really focus on it and make sure that it happened uh, the right way and that I did an excellent job for them. But yeah, it wasn't any sort of conscious decision. It was more I had to do what I'm doing now. I mean, because it's, it's everything. It's everything that I've done. It's my, my dad, who was a science professor. It's me being raised, you know, in a house across the street from this cornfield that was sprayed with pesticides. It's me meeting my ex-husband who had been an organic farmer my first year of law school. It's me being a, basically a vegetarian for over 12 years. And, and primarily just so you know, I'm not 100% vegetarian. I eat eggs and meat. I'm not eggs and meat, eggs and cheese. Sometimes I think of as cheese as meat. But anyway, <laughs> I, I do eat plant-based, not just plant-based, but, you know, some, some animal-based uh, product. But, you know, it was something that I just had to do. And I, you know, from all of my experience being in-house counsel, doing software and data deals, knowing that the data that we're, we're creating, we're, we're collecting is so valuable to making the world a better place. I just couldn't not do that. That's great. I, I don't know if I totally relate. Like I, I love that you have that thing. Maybe it's still coming for me in life. So I'll have to be on the watch out. So you, you quit your job, you talk to your husband, he's super supportive, which I think I think it's really amazing, but something that stuck out to me there was it made me curious how you think about when you're a breadwinner and have a good idea taking the leap. I assume that there's an enormous amount of pressure when someone that is a income producer in a household decides to go do a startup. Did you did you then take that pressure with you into your startup and and feel like you had to like make something happen quickly? That's a really good question. I'm at a, a little bit at a loss for words. I mean, Makina has been really hard. First, you know, we were before, I think we were before Abada. And Abada is a Denver-based company that's raised $173 million. And, you know, this wasn't what what we have created now wasn't wasn't around when mm. I had this idea. And I have to say, it's been a little bit of a challenge 
because we're under a shadow of a company that's raised this $173 million. And at one point I was, there've been a couple of points during, you know, the Makina, you know, journey is probably the best way to say it, where somebody has said to me, well, Avada should just buy you guys. So Advanced Industries Grant, I got some feedback. We were a finalist for that twice. Uh, that was a $250,000 grant through the state of Colorado. So I've gotten that feedback. I didn't get any other feedback from them other than that. And I've gotten that feedback also with local angel investors, you know. What what goes to your mind when you get that feedback? We're different, <laughs> you know. <laughs> we're, we're just different. And what they didn't understand is that we were different. And we've always been different. We're not just focused on this better for you, better for the planet space. We built a different product. Yes, there's a mobile app component, but what we've really built provides the brands that are, you know, doing better things in the world, the the data and insights to go back to my original what Mikina is, the data and the insights that they need to grow. So we help them become more efficient with their marketing dollar. We help them become more efficient with their trade spend. We help them really develop a relationship with the consumer. It's a one-to-one or one-to-many. And we built our back end to help them do that. And so maybe early on, we hadn't built all of that yet, or I hadn't done a great job of communicating it. I'm doing a much better job now is probably the bottom line of that. <laughs> of course, of course. But we've we've been on a slower roll. It's been harder to raise money just because of one of the things I just mentioned. The other the other thing is that I'm, you know, I'm a female founder and we really raise about 2% of what the the dudes raise. And you know, I know that there's a lot of money out there right now. So we're now we're starting to get a lot of interest, which is great. But but before there weren't as many women investors or or companies that were really focused on investing in women, WIMXM, I, can, I still can't say it right. But you know, my, you know, <laughs> minority founders, you name it. And I think it's been it, it, it was a challenge, quite frankly. Yeah. You know, you've been around, you've, this year, third startup, you've been around this space for a while. Are you seeing progress there though? Like, how are you feeling about the landscape for female founders? I am seeing progress. I'm not seeing a tremendous amount of progress yet. It was super cool to see the founder of Bumble take her company public. There's been a lot of really good press on that. And then there's been some difficult press on that as well, saying that, you know, that, I mean, basically, you know, saying that she didn't deserve it, which is baloney, as you know, and, and everybody has a team around them. I mean, you got to build your company with smarter people than you. And it doesn't negate the fact that you haven't done a great job and putting it all together and being strategic about it. And, being the leader and being the force behind it, being the visionary. And I mean, this just goes to show you that it is just a challenge 
as a female founder. I mean, she's done a fantastic job. And another person that did a fantastic job is the founder of Canva. She didn't even go out and raise any outside money. She she built that on her own and built it into a multi-billion dollar business. And, you know, there are founders of Stitch Fix and The Real Real. And primarily, though, you will notice that a lot of those founders are in sort of female-focused companies. And I wouldn't say that Makina is a female-focused company. We are focused on really helping that consumer navigate, you know, this better for them, better for the planet. Now, what fits my dietary needs or my lifestyle preferences? But it so happens that a lot of the grocery shoppers happen to be women. And the folks that happen to be using Makina are primarily millennials that love saving money on these products and and taking the sticker shock out of Whole Foods Whole Paycheck. So that's also been a challenge for me, being focused on the natural products industry, an investor possibly calling it a niche space, which we know it's not. Last year alone, there was $252 billion in sales in the industry, and it's growing at 10%. So it's a, it's a fast-growing, or not fast, fast-growing, but you know, a very stably growing industry. And there are a lot of people in the United States that are very unhealthy. I mean, we know that as a result of COVID. So, you know, about 200 plus million people would benefit from using Nikina to help them shop. And so now it's starting to stick with potential investors. I mean, I think your initial question was, you know, is there any place, you know, did I feel this need to grow it fast? Did I, you know, is it hard for women to raise money? I think there are a lot of different factors to take a look at, you know, when you're looking at Nikina itself. Sure. But here you are in, you have a beautiful website, a beautiful product. When, when was the moment where you knew you had something or think of some examples along the way where you were like, we're onto something like the ability to, when you hear you should be acquired by, which I know so many founders here and sometimes cringe, sometimes are really excited, but you were like, no, we're different. We should stick it out. Do you have some examples of that? Yeah. I mean, we've been, so Abada is, is, I mean, Abada is, never inquired about acquiring us. We'll just leave that at that. But <laughs> but we have had some significant interest from some of the technology giants and some of the big data aggregators, names that you guys would know of. So we'll, we'll just kind of leave it at that. But every step along the way, there has been something that has propelled us forward. So you know, we would get a big brand really super excited about what we're doing, or we would get somebody that was well known in our industry say, wow, this is really cool. And it's in those moments that gives you the fuel to continue on. Because be as I said, being a founder, and you know this as well, you're a go-getter yourself, Sometimes you have to question, like, is this the right product market fit? Does the world need this now? Is this the right time for what we are creating and putting out there? And we've always been given a sign. 
And it could be anything. It could be a new investor. It could be a big partnership. It could be a new customer. It could be a bunch of downloads. It could be us getting on the list. You know, we didn't do anything to get on the list. And all of a sudden, my husband knocks on my door at 1.45 in the morning. (laughs) It's sad that we're both out working. But hey, you're on the list. You're on the list. And I'm like, what? I'm like, no way. You're lying. Not that he was lying, but sometimes he likes to do these April Fool's Day jokes on me. And I'm like, (laughs) wait, it's not April 1st, is it? But, you know, that's always a validator that you're on to something and people love what you're doing. That's awesome. I know those moments, especially when it's earned media, not paid media. Yep. When earned media comes along, it's like the best feeling in the world. So you have this great product. You have some really cool brands on your product too. You've had this crazy journey. Tell me a little bit, like, where are you guys today? What are you doing next? Well, so we're raising our seed round and we're going to scale with it. And we've, we've done a ton of testing. We, we just launched our TikTok campaign. So that's really fun. <laughs> now you're official. <laughs> now we're official. Makina.app, if anybody wants to, to follow us on TikTok. We've created some fun, exciting content. We did really well with our first you know, little TikTok video. I think typically you get between 50 and 100 views, I think, your first video. And I think this morning we're up to like 570 and like the first 24 hour period. So we did pretty well. And that should be fun. Need to get the word out about Makina. And we have some very large partnerships that we're working on, which should help us get on literally, I don't know how quickly we could get the brands on board, but they, they have thousands of brands that are part of their community of brands. So that's exciting for us. We're building our community of brands and shoppers. That's exciting as well. And, you know, we we believe that we're going to scale pretty quickly once we raise our money. Awesome. Well, good luck with that. I know it's a crazy time in your world and I can't wait to talk to you again and for you to tell me all about the process. And you have raised money. I do want to call that out. Yeah. You're just under 500,000 pre-seed that's funded you thus far. So that's also a big accomplishment. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I do this thing at the end. I have some rapid fire questions I would love to ask you. Is that okay with you? It's totally fine with me. I just hope I can answer them. <laughs> okay. I no, no worries. Nothing out of left field. So the next 30 days, what are you looking forward to? Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how well our TikTok campaign goes. You know, getting a whole bunch of new downloads. We, we just hired a digital agency as well. So we, we haven't paid for any sort of advertising yet. So that's really super exciting to me. I mean, we have funds to do all of that without raising the seed. We can't put a lot of money into it, but that's going to be fun. And I'm looking forward to really understanding how much money shoppers are saving. So we have we have some shoppers that are cashing out every week with us. When they get to 20 bucks, they can cash out through PayPal or Venmo and We have some shoppers that are up in the thousands of of savings now. So I'm looking to bringing on board more brands that are super cool brands 
We have about 500 brands in our sales pipeline. I'm looking to bring on a couple new people to our team. So that's exciting as well. So we have a lot of stuff going on in the next 30 days. Awesome. Okay. If your company shut down for a whole week and you could do anything with your time, how would you spend it? And you can't work. Let me clarify with you. (laughs) Ah, okay. Can't work. So I'm a voracious reader. I love reading historical fiction. So that's, that's kind of fun, like a Ken Follett book or something like that. I love watching. I was almost an FBI agent. So I love watching, binge watching shows like Bosch with my husband. Super fun. So good. Yeah. The Americans <laughs> was a fun show for us as well. So I don't, you know, we'd have to find something. I have not watched Shit's Creek. <laughs> could be a good one. <laughs> and I haven't seen Game of Thrones either. So there's there are a couple of good, you know, shows out there that we haven't watched. I also, you know, if we weren't, we weren't in the middle of COVID, you know, I would be skiing with my husband, I would be hiking. I mean, I'm super fortunate because we live in Boulder. I do ride my Peloton. So I exercise usually about five to five times a week. And, you know, I would take up my violin again. Honestly, I, mm, get, I like that one. <laughs> I would get my violin fixed and I would start playing again. So there you go. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I love, like, it sounds like you would just chill. I would try to chill. You just, you just told me I couldn't work. <laughs> so I was thinking, I mean, what, what would I do if I couldn't work? And, you know, and I, I have two great kids and two granddaughters. Again, if we weren't you know, in the middle of this pandemic, I would, I would love to spend some time with them. And I would love to see my parents, my mom, and my stepdad. Yeah. So I haven't been able to do any of that for the last year. I know. I, I think a lot of people feel you on that one. I know I do. Okay. Anything binge worthy in your life right now? So books that you've read recently that you loved, podcasts, shows, anything? Well, I think I just mentioned, I mean, I loved the Americans. We we loved Bosch. We're hoping that there's going to be another season of that. I love historical fiction. You know, I have done, you know, I listened to Michelle Obama's podcast. You know, it's so, so, so good. You know, my days are super long as a founder. So sometimes I'm up at 5.30 or 5. I mean, it's so crazy, right? We're not even like driving (laughs) anywhere to go to work anymore. Yet I'm working these incredibly long hours, sometimes until two o'clock in the morning. So now I don't have a whole lot of extra time. I do love spending some time with my husband sometimes in front of the TV. Again, (laughs) we had that, we had Bosch and we had the Americans together during this pandemic. And we need to find another one. So if anybody has any ideas, please reach out. <laughs> Send him your way. I know. Yep. I, I'm super into TV shows too. And I'll read these like profiles on founders that, you know, like work around the clock. And I'm like, oh no, I'll never be one of them because I watch TV at night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I mean, you know, Neil deGrasse is super interesting. I, as I said, my dad was, you know, a science professor, and he got his postdoc in astronomy, not astrology, astronomy. And so I've always been fascinated by stars, planets, what other life is out there. And I could probably dig into that. Again, not work, but dig into it. 
really binge on it. I love it. Who is someone that you are looking up to right now in life? Oh my gosh. Right this minute. I have so many different role models. I mean, some of them are politicians. Stacey Abrams is a great example of somebody who is strong, who is smart, who doesn't try to, you know, take the limelight, who's humble, hardworking, grassroots activist without being over the top. I love women like her, you know, men, you know, and I may get, you know, some flack about Stacy. I may get flack about, you know, some of the men I admire, but I love what Bill Gates is doing with his wealth. I love the fact that he's trying to solve the toughest problems in the world with the billions of dollars that he has made. And, you know, everything from, you know, climate issues to, you know, food issues, food insecurity. I mean, that's one of the things that Makina's focused on is how do we solve this democratization of, of food and buying better? So I, I love the fact that he does that. And I, you know, Another person that I admire greatly is Warren Buffett. You know, he has had a very long, humble, strategic life. He's worked super hard. I I mean, there's obviously a, (laughs) a theme through the people that I admire. You know, things haven't always come easy for any of these three people that I've mentioned. And, but I admire their, their smartness, their wit, their tenacity, their grittiness, and their, their honesty and integrity and ethics. Yeah, that's great. This one might be easy for you because we've talked about it. Although I, I might be surprised if you were not the founder of Makina today, what do you think you would be doing? Wow. So (laughs) I saw a job opportunity recently for the Clooney Foundation. You probably did not expect that. And (laughs) I would probably be working on human rights issues for people all around the world. And maybe I alluded to that a little bit earlier on with respect to Amnesty International and uh, ACLU. But, you know, there are a lot of people who are underrepresented and don't have the resources to or nor the voice to make a difference in what happened either to them, to a group of people. I would be also and I'm never going to be an Oprah, who is another person, by the way, who I greatly admire and Gail King and and a bunch of folks like that. But I will probably never be able to build an orphanage or a school in Africa and feed people that really need to be fed. But those those are some of the the things that I would do, sort of not like a Mother Teresa, because I'm not Mother Teresa, but now I really want to be out there like a UN ambassador or somebody like that, or a UNICEF, somebody helping, you know, solve some of the medical issues and immunization issues around children that are dying of starvation and have a lot of health issues. Anyway, hopefully that answers the question. (laughs) Yeah, there (laughs) you go. Not rapid fire, but you know, I've been thinking about it. No, that's great. What is a current challenge, personal or in your business that you're currently facing? So I really want to make Makina 
a healthy household name. And I would love if anybody that's listening to this is a growth hacker, I would love to find that person. And, and, and it's, it's not just, it is not just about the consumer piece. It's also about the brand piece. I believe that we're on the right track. No question. I'm talking with a lot of folks right now. And a lot of people are super excited about what we're doing. But I, there was somebody that I wanted to bring on board a while ago. And I was like, you know, I'm not sure if this is the best fit because they have to be mission aligned. But yeah, I, you know, would love to find that that person that fits within our organization. We have a great group of people working on Makina and for Makina and with Makina and with each other. So I'd love to add a couple more people to that team. Great. Final question. What do you do on days when it, when what you're doing seems impossible to keep going? Well, I know that I need a good night's sleep. (laughs) So, (laughs) and, and so when I have a good night's sleep, I wake up feeling great. There may be a challenge or an issue or 20 of them that happened that day. But working over, through, around, just gritting through and then coming up with a solution really makes me feel good. I also, I also really need to exercise. I listen to music sometimes when I'm working. That helps. Sometimes it's distracting. Other times it's really, really helpful. And, and knowing that I have friends and family that love me and care about me and are good, good people makes all the difference to me. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I too am big on exercise. My family might exile me if I don't work out and I try to be a human around them. (laughs) Well, Karen, it is so good to talk to you. The world is a better place because you're out working really hard with Makina, we need people like you doing what you do. So I just thank you so much. And if you could tell our audience, how can they find you or your company online? Where are you at? So makina.com is our website and on the App Store or Google Play. Again, it's just Makina, M-A-K-E-E-N-A. And if you want to reach out to me through LinkedIn, you want to send me an email, just you know, it's my first dot last name at makina.com. I'm happy to spend a few minutes, talk with you. You know, I'm all about collaboration and really, truly trying to make a difference in the world. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thanks for being on the show. Oh, you are so welcome. And it's been a delight. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Found in the Rockies. You can find links in the show notes or go to foundintherockies.com to get transcripts, links, and contact information for today's guests. If you like what you heard and want more, please rate, review, and subscribe to get notified as our new episodes drop. See you next time.